Podcast 029, Roundtable Discussion at La Biondo Farm. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. Uh, they sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. Okay, it's on. It's on. It's on. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm Paul Wheaton. We're gonna we're gonna do a, a different kind of podcast. I think yeah. So I've, I've never done a podcast quite like this before. There's like what five of us, five and a half of us sitting around a table, and and we're just gonna turn the damn thing on and see what happens. Oh, and Jamie's here. He's four years old, and uh, three and three quarters. And and uh, um, he's, he, we're going to probably teach him some new words today. <laughs> Good words. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, great words. Um, some people might not agree, but <clears throat> that has more to do with them than with us. All right, so I'm going to go around the table, and people and folks can introduce themselves. All right, I'm Kathy Fulton, Mariposa Gardens. I'm Karen Biondo, La Biondo Farm and Kitchen, where we are. How come there's a law in Biondo? In the farm, but not in your name. Is, <laughs> it, is the farm like a hyphenated thing? No, it, it was all part of a new invention of myself, and it just sounded nice. You needed to la 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 it up, huh? Okay. Yeah, that's it. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm Anna Olive, and I'm a new homeowner. <laughs> and and keen on the permaculture. And keen on the permaculture. All right. I'm Michelle Pratt, and my husband Johnny and I are interns here at La Biondo Farm and Kitchen, and we have a nonprofit, Heart and Soil. All right. So, uh, a bunch of farm and garden nuts. <laughs> so now, uh, I, I just got through getting the official tour, and I took some video footage of several interesting things. And we started with your honor system farm shop right right out front there, right next to the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the only thing you got out there right now, because this is spring. This is spring, and there should be a lot more out there. But but you must be selling a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe people came and got it before I got here. Yeah, that's it. Everybody got it. <laughs> <laughs> they there got was, it before you could steal it. There was some rhubarb out there. There is the rhubarb out there. And, and it looked plenty fresh. They, and it, it it was picked yesterday. Yesterday. Eggs. Okay. There was eggs out there? There were eggs out there, but now they're not. Okay. All right. <laughs> so. And there was yogurt out there, and now there's not. All right. All right. So yeah, it means somebody bought it. <laughs> yeah. I could hope. <laughs> and, and, and now uh, I think uh, it's an honor system thing. So, folks, they uh, you, you put the stuff out there, and there's a money box out there, and then uh, uh, folks just come up and they grab it, and then they put the money in the money box. Correct. And go away, and you don't even know that they're there. You could be hundreds of yards away working on your stuff. I could be off island. You could. Oh, you could be off island. I you could. could be you could island. be on vacation. It's like kind of like Motel Six. It's always open. Always open. All right. And uh, um, uh, uh, the other aspect of it is is that the building was made entirely of pallets. It is framed in pallets, and the rest of it is made by gifted, scavenged, begged, and borrowed. Uh, okay. So did that building cost nothing? The, the only investment in dollars is in the hardware, and that I probably got at a yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole building might have been under a hundred bucks. I believe it was. All right, <laughs> ain't yep. that a deal? It is. So I, uh, and now I was uh, that box I saw that money box in there. That was like that was like a safe. That was quite the industrial. That was some thick steel there. That's what Bob Powell does is thick, substantial steel. That, that was like some farm equipment welded to your wall. It's probably an old John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got, it's got two 8-inch carriage bolts all the way through the building. So if somebody wants to steal the money now, they have to take the whole building. Okay. Wow. Which is under 200 square feet. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, um, uh, but now, part of the reason you got that box, you were telling me about how uh, you did have some trouble last year. Yes. Last year... Sometime during the summer, twice, I had all of the money taken out of the previous cash box, which was just this classic little brown metal box that sat on the counter. And two times last summer, I went out there and the money was gone. 
And I really do want to believe that basically people are honest. So as you say that, Paul, I noticed that at that time it was nine years. So in nine years, I've been ripped off three times total. Mm. Very first years we were here when the money box lived here on the front porch. Somebody took the thirty. I always keep a thirty dollar. I used to always keep a thirty dollar drawer in there. <clears throat> and once upon a time, many many years ago, somebody took the thirty dollars. And last year, somebody took I don't know how much, a few hundred dollars. Okay. And so over the course of eight or nine years, it's not so bad. And the alternative is. I lock up the farm stand at night. I don't like that because I'll never remember to open it. <laughs> I, I person it, so that means I'd be paying somebody to sit in a little tiny farm stand for eight hours a day, and that doesn't make any sense. A farm stand doesn't really make, any, make much money. Um, or Bob Powell comes up with a great design that nobody can steal any, anything from. But even for last year, I mean, you probably had that thing open more than 100 days. Oh, it's open 365 days a year because there's always something. Okay, okay. Sell out there. And so two days out of the year, yes. two days out of hundreds of days, yes. you got ripped off. Yes. And What's curious though about that, that was in a period of time when there was a run of farm stands being ripped off. I mean, it was, it was probably either a group of kids or a group of drug addicts because they were hitting all the farm stands. It's the farm stand mafia. They, yes. They've organized their crime to hit all the farm stands. You have to pay me. They got it. They got it. Figure they got a system. So, uh, uh, all right. All right. So they, the, the thing is though, is that uh, you had like a big old bucket of money sitting out there with money just pouring out onto the floor. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was looking at this big old pile of money thinking, you know, I could just grab all this and fill my pockets with money mm-hmm. and no one would be the wiser. Mm-hmm. And and so they were tempted and they fell to temptation. Mm-hmm. So now there's this box in there that uh, isn't going to have any temptation. Mm-mm. And on top of that, even if they were tempted, they'd have to bring a cutting torch, which would probably set all the money on fire. <laughs> and it would certainly wake the dogs up. <laughs> yeah, probably set the whole building on fire. That was some thick steel. All right, so um, I, I thought it was uh, it was nice to see the, the, the farm stand being an honor system farm stand. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been uh, really excited by the number of people I've encountered that have been doing the honor system farm stand. And I think that when it comes to homesteading, having the honor system farm stand is, is just a, a powerful component because it brings in your cash flow without extra effort. True. Just on the farm, if, every, if once every hour or two you come up with something else to put out there, you just haul it on out. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, is that during the winter when things are slower you could do your your craftier things and mm-hmm. put some of that out there and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. my only request as a consumer of farm stands is that I like it when they because they're all the, I think all of the farm stands on the island are honor systems as mm-hmm. far as I know and there's probably maybe five to ten or mm-hmm. something like that yeah. but um, right before Easter I came around to, to find stuff and I had to get in with my kids. I had to get in and get out, get in and get out at every farm stand. And I love it. The oh, idea that, that there's a list of what's out there and you just hang the sign up that says there's eggs and there's eggs. And, there's, yeah. you know, because then I can just drive by at 40 miles an hour and see, oh, she doesn't have anything. Or, oh, she had asparagus. I'm going to pull over. Yeah. Because, like, I, I probably spent 40 minutes just in popping it. And it wasn't like I really cared. We went and saw the pigs up at, you know, Meadow Island yeah. and stuff. It was fun. But, but. Some days I don't have the patience for that. Um, or oh, it's pouring rain. Or it's pouring rain, yeah. And so I don't want to get out of the car. If I, if and, and I actually have had somewhat bad luck having anything be in the... Yeah. I often do it in the afternoon. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the idea if you if it says asparagus uh-huh. and you get there uh-huh. and you get the last asparagus? I would have to be the person that removes the sign. Something like that. Thing. That's where I'm going with it. Because otherwise, how is the farmer going to know that they're out of asparagus out there? Well, at least I would know that the farmer had asparagus in. So if I came back tomorrow, there'd probably be asparagus, even if there wasn't any asparagus now. It is the season. You know? Well, I'd be... Okay. 
beyond those wall is a big chalkboard, so we can write yeah, stuff on there, and someone can actually. I'm pretty good about it. But that's very erase it if you take. But that's I was just staying out there, and a woman came up and said, "Is there asparagus today?" And I was like, "I don't know." Oh. <laughs> and we got a, we got another person here, and I let a guy. I was kind of feeling like, man, I'm in the middle of this chick fest here. So, uh, <laughs> and now he's giggling so hard he can't see the this thought of his my own. My husband Johnny. Johnny. John. Yeah. So Johnny, thinking of his own name, starts giggling so hard he can't see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what, okay. All right. You'll meet me tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, on Saturday. I'm with you at the Tinker's Technology. Oh, okay. All right. So, so you'll be you'll be one of the tinkerers. Yes, we will. King Books on Friday night. Saturday. Well, people are probably going to hear this podcast after the event is. That's is part passed. of the truth. Yeah. So, well, you missed out. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have the results posted on permies.com about you know how I kicked butt at that event. And I was I was I believe I'm the I'm the lead name on that. Yes, I, you are. I'm the top builder. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Yeah, well, it's going to be a eight people will show up. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> we'll see. We'll what see. Tinker Technology. It's a, uh, a workshop that people are going to be demonstrating different um, homesteading techniques. Oh, cool. but Johnny's going to do his humanure. Great. He's going to poop. Wait. Do we have to demonstrate? I thought it was just like bring slides. I mean, you could just fire up your PowerPoint kind of thing. I don't have a PowerPoint. Well, you know the top guy, you know, has the fancy PowerPoint thing. He said Tinker, so I think I I should have a half hour. I think I was going to do like six things, five minutes on six different things. So like rocket mass heaters, body, and I can't remember what else. You know, I haven't even put the presentation together yet. I'll, I'll probably do it about an hour before the start. <laughs> I'll oh, be doing my own spot. So, uh, uh, all right. So, things that we've seen today. The no bash so, trash dash. That was number two. So the no the, trash dash dash. No, no, yeah. As opposed Thank to no bash trash dash. <laughs> where, where, so the idea is you go pick up a pile of trash, and then your friends don't have to trash your house. It's already been trashed. So, uh, but as opposed to this one that we, we saw today, which is different, yeah. where the idea is is to have the uh, no trash bash stash, <laughs> where uh, instead of uh, populating your party with a bunch of uh, plastic cups and paper plates and plastic forks and and uh, I don't know napkins, uh, disposable people who serve uh, I don't you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know napkins right was well, there even cloth napkins tablecloth uh-huh. coffee service mm-hmm. yes there's coffee service yeah. so. Uh, they've they've got a, a shed out there attached to the farm stand. part of the farm stand, and you can go in there and they got a whole mess of plates and forks and spoons. And it is a project of sustainable Bashan, and it is by donation or free. Anybody who wants to have a party can just call me or email me and tell me what they want. There's service for about three or four hundred people out there of just about everything you need, and then you borrow it, clean. Return it clean and make a donation of any size to sustainable fashion. So now when you say three or four hundred people, that kind of gets me thinking like uh how many people are on Vashon Island? 10,617. Okay. <laughs> How do you wow. know that? Because I do the economics. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In order to do my calculations. So, okay, so 10, That's a census statistic. So 10,000 folks here on Vashon Island, and you got ferry service. Yes. And I, I do enjoy the ferry. I, it's, it's like I need to, I, I, I need to uh, uh, find more islands to go visit people. You just sound just so I can ride the ferry more. Um, but uh, 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 all right, so if somebody's going to have a great big party or even a little party, they can come by, get all the gear, maybe maybe drop a couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. There's probably do they put it into the same thing for the as the farm stand or do no, they? No, there's a little something out there in the no trash bash stash house. So uh, is it is it something that people could steal? 
It is. So the so the, the the syndicate that's going robbing all the farm stands <laughs> will now know. They if they if they, they give it to this podcast. If they happen to listen to this podcast because of their interest in sustainability, <laughs> then then they'll know. Then they'll know. Okay. All right. Take note. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And uh, um, you know, I saw something interesting in your farm stand, and it got me thinking about um, something else that could be cool. But it was kind of a one-way thing out there. You had that basket out there, and it said uh, "free stuff," uh-huh. which I kind of thought, you know, that's. I mean, reuse is such a powerful thing, uh-huh. and and it would be even cooler if if there was also a place where people could put some other things, perhaps. But that no. might just be a big heap of no. garbage. To, yeah. Okay. That's so, where I put things that I want ready to pass on. There, there you basket go. was full last summer, so people have taken. I put. I usually put magazines in there okay. that I'm done with. All right. And I got some little things to go out there. Some seed blockers. Do you, unless you want them, make your own little seed things. Oh, they're awful. I know. <laughs> I, they don't, don't want them like they'd be fun. Did somebody take your refrigerator, though? Because I saw you had a refrigerator. The refrigerator is gone. Now I have a utility trailer out there that nobody will take. <laughs> so a, a okay. great reuse thing. Um, I, I suppose it's possible you might have a, a friend or two whom you permit to also put Free things maybe. out there. Maybe. Yes. Okay, maybe. Yes. Progress. Yes. <laughs> okay. We also have Bash on Free Cycle, the yes. email thing, you know, here. Right. And that gets used a lot. Yes. There's a lot of those yes. um, in a lot of different communities. And and I think I was uh, subscribed to one of those for a few hours. That was that was enough. Boy, that, that, that was busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. stuff. So, um, all right. Uh, and then uh, we, we wandered um, uh, back onto the farmland a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we saw, oh, the first thing we saw was the outdoor kitchen. Mm-hmm. Always a big fan of the outdoor kitchen. Uh, and and so a big, that was a really big outdoor kitchen. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and you uh, you had some nettles you were drying. Yes. And um, that's the second time I've seen somebody uh, drying nettles on this trip. Really? Um, yeah. Tis the season. There's yeah. A lot of nettles. Yeah. I saw some yesterday. It was yesterday. They had a big solar dehydrator. Nice. And it was full of nettles. Nice. And, um, and it was like nettles everywhere you walked there. Um, so then, uh, and then we saw your um, uh, uh, meat smoker, cold, a cold smoking outfit, which you cold don't see smoker. very, a yeah. cold smoker and composting toilet. Yes. But with a wall between the two, which yes. I think is the most important part. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's all in one with a wall between the two. Yes. So, um, that keeps the health department happy. Yeah, right. Has the health department <laughs> been down here to look at that operation? No. How do we know they're happy? <laughs> okay, we know they're happy. All right, all right. The mafia probably has had a chat with them about that. Your local Vashon farm stand robbery mafia I am told them how happy they are. <laughs> I am the mafia. You are the mafia. This is it. So you robbed your own farm stand. I did. So I could get the publicity. (laughs) So you could get that box. Yeah. Yeah. Without it, you just had some fishing tackle box or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) So uh, um, the composting toilet was a standard Jenkins style Mm -hmm. composting toilet where you mix everything together. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, you ever thinking about putting in some urine diversion stuff in that? Sure. I hadn't thought about it. Not 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 as strong of a commitment as I was looking for, but 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 okay. That sounds like progress. Progress again. We're we're making progress. If somebody will do it for me. I'd be happy to have it. I'm a single woman here <laughs> with Dottie and Michelle and two or three other people. We just can't do it all. I'm so we're open to suggestions. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, <clears throat> I threw that suggestion out there. Now that was a pretty big um, uh, cold smoker. Yeah, it is. And now, do you monitor the temperature in there when you're, when you're smoking it? Okay. I do. I usually keep it right around 90, 
Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So do you, do you do most of your smoking like in the fall or in the spring? That's all I've done so far. Okay. It's fall and spring. Okay. Right now I'm considering using the, the wood stove to make biochar because it's, it's sitting there. But the wood stove is only so big so I can only put a small canister in there. And, you know, it's that scale thing we were talking about, the manure teas. I don't know how much biochar I can make in one small stove. So now you were saying something about, because we, we talked about the manure tea for a, a moment, and I, yeah. and I didn't video that. No. Um, and and uh, I mentioned how I'd, I had talked about manure tea in a recent podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what we're and 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 so you're doing manure manure tea right now. I'm doing manure tea and nettles comfrey tea. Okay. And now my position was is that the manure teas are great. There's a lot of things you can use them for, but they are a lot of work. And so I I think that for a garden it's fine. And now there's some people where they can they'll spend fifteen hundred bucks on a manure tea contraption and mm-hmm. all the bubbly stuff and what? whatnot. Really? Oh yeah. Well, you saw what was in the and you didn't see. I got two bubbly things out of the back of John's truck. I got two sump pumps. There's absolutely no reason why I can't stick those in the bottom, not put a hose on them, and they'll bubble. Well, yeah, but you didn't pay fifteen hundred dollars, right? Did you? I didn't. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's my mortgage payment. (laughs) (laughs) And now we've just learned what your mortgage payment is. Yes, press here if you care to donate. (laughs) (laughs) So so basically it's kind of like... Yes, I believe it has a good. I, I think if you had a, a sickly tree, that uh, probably be nothing better than a foliar feeding of uh, that. Although in this area, I'd be a little concerned about adding uh, a fungal issue um, with it. But if, on the right kind of day, the right kind of weather, I, I think that you know, I'd be I'd be hard pressed to come up with a better solution than compost tea. Um, on the other hand, um, from a permaculture perspective, because that's kind of like an organic thing. Mm-hmm. Your, your tree's a little off. What can you do to make the tree healthier? Mm-hmm. Permaculture seems to be a lot longer approach, and it's going to be more like, why does that tree not do better? What can I, you know, is there, is there not, there must be not enough diversity there, or maybe that tree is just not good for that spot, and it should be sick, and it should die. Because it's sick, I should take it out, mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, it's sick, and I'm going to, you know, do some things to try and heal it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I don't. The the manure tea and the uh, nettles tea and comfrey tea, the fertilizers that I make here, and this isn't an argument, I just kind of got your point, really. I am not making anything better. I am simply supplementing. It's like eating breakfast. I don't even know if that's a good analogy. I have got some of the, I've got enviable soil here that I created from the goat the chickens and the pig um, waste between their bedding and their manure and three bins made out of pallets and a lot of time. You know, I'm not one of those, I've never been one of those compost posters where I'm out there shoveling it and shoveling it and turning it and turning it. I put it in these bins and then every three months the Kubota comes over and we turn it and then I've got the soil. So I have enviable soil. And I, that is just a supplement for me. And when we first transplant things, just like you said a minute ago, just to give it that boost when we first transplant things. Yeah, it's mostly just for the seedlings, right? Yeah. She doesn't like to be chased. Luna doesn't. She's a little snotty, old girl. Yeah, I'm So, yeah. anyway, I just wanted to have that editorial okay. comment in there. Because I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not, it's, we've had this discussion around the table here about trying to manufacture climates. Um, for things that are not native here, like sweet potatoes. Yes, we could create a climate for sweet potatoes here, but is it the right thing to do? And I'm not, and I'm not sure how I feel about it because I've grown awesome sweet potatoes here, awesome sweet potatoes, but I've had to manufacture the climate for it, for them. And I've been, I'm dependent on having enough sun to create the, the false climate that I've created. 
I'm not saying it's good, bad, and I'm not. I'm really not sure where I fall on it yet. But, I mean, it would be something where you probably aren't going to get a really great return on an investment, unless, of course, you're selling them for like ten dollars a pound. Or I didn't like sell them. I ate them. <laughs> <laughs> they were very special people. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's so I, and, and it seemed like the thing that you said to me when we were out there talking about it was is that um, you know because my position was is that usually for larger farms, I mean, I could see how somebody with an urban lot. Yes. Would be like doing that. It's, it's, it's like these fine folks on their 112 acre in downtown Los Angeles. Wow. So the uh, you're looking at this book, The Urban Homestead. Kelly Coyne. By Kelly Coyne and Eric Newton. Uh, the expanded and revised edition. Is there anything else you want me to read by pointing at it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> they live on one twelfth of an acre in downtown Los Angeles. Uh-huh. It's a good scale for what we do for that sort of thing. That's oh, okay. Right. I mean, I think I think that um, uh, for a lot of people where they've got like a lot of time and and basically they do it for the love of it, you know, they they just enjoy doing it. Then um, it, it it takes a, a lot of effort to, to to come up with your compost. And then the uh, the reward that you get for it is kind of slight. Like everything that you planted, that you transplanted into good soil, probably doesn't need a, uh, a compost tea spritzer to get a start. And maybe it gains a little bit and stuff, and so it's like, oh, what the hell, you know? Um, but I think that if you're trying to do anything on a larger scale, if the return on investment would probably not, you would probably would not be even earning the minimum wage to do it. Um, but uh, uh, but that's that's my position is that you really it really doesn't have enough payback to do it. But but that's just me. But now, were you saying something similar? I was saying that on a large scale, I like a huge. I'm five acres. Right. <clears throat> Between Johnny, Michelle, myself, and Jamie and Vicky, that's five of us. If we're out there planting and we have a bucket of tea with us, it's easy enough. We have four buckets going. Mm-hmm. Um, we have comfrey growing that we're kind of culture, cultivating out here. We have nettles naturally. And it's, it's uh, $83 for a 150-pound sack of fertilizer, of, of totally organic fertilizer. And I think I get everything we need out of the manure, the comfrey, the nettles for man hours when we're out here anyway, when we walk by, we stir it. There's our aeration. And when we're in the greenhouse watering, we pour off what we think we're going to need to go out to the next bed with us. So on our scale, I think it works. I don't know about a larger scale. I just I, I, I could see that it could be problematic in harvesting the product, making up the buckets, keeping it aerated, Straining it off, pouring it off, taking it into whatever containers into 100 acres, probably. Okay. All right. <clears throat> when we started walking back, um, you know, after the, the composting toilet and all that, yeah, um, I think one of the things that we saw was uh, the fence. It was made out of pallets. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of stuff around here that's all made out of pallets. You must have <laughs> sweet talk some pallet person somewhere. I did. I did. There's a, there's a, a horse supply, a feed store down on Bank Road. Oh, no. Gary Supply. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he begs people to take them. He begs people. And he does. Gary and Shelly do save out. They save piles of pallets for me. And they are looking for places for them to offload. And we have another friend, Dave, who very often loads up his truck and drops them off for me. So they often deliver pallets. And I do get the cream of the crop, and they're free. And they are a godsend to me here. They're free. They're sturdy. Ten years ago, we used to get oak pallets. Oh, my. Yeah. I think the the farm stand was built out of some of the oak pallets. That aforementioned smokehouse and bathroom uh, compost toilet are also made out of pallets. They are not. But, like, the fencing around them. No. That's actually... That... So, the two things. The pallets are a gift. I love them. They're sturdy. They're multi-purpose. You can literally frame a small shed with just the pallets. 
you know, if you, if you plug them into each other right, they are self-supporting and they're awesome. The farm stand, I mean the uh, the bathhouse smokehouse with the wall in between. <laughs> <laughs> that important. That is a combination of donated fir and cedar. Oh, wow. The guy who has the portable mill, Tom Harrigan, up behind the, the country store, he gives me all his seconds. He just picks up the phone one day and says, Karen, come out here. I got all these seconds, like the, the outside paneling on the farm stand. That's all fur milled here on the island, cut here on the island, milled here on the island. It's not quite right for a house. He gave it to me um, in exchange for a couple dozen eggs and a pie. <laughs> ah, the power of pie. <laughs> the power of pie. So that's what, the, that's what oh, wow. that building is. That was all new materials. Oh. And somebody gifted me some of that Trex decking. That's the stairs. And then John Carlson, the guy who delivered that truckload of free stuff, he built that building for me in exchange for me around the table. Wow. Yeah. And my neighbor John had the old wood stove that he had a new wood stove, so he gifted me his wood stove. That's community. That's community, and that's what permaculture is. And, you know, that does seem kind of Vashon-esque. So here, you know, the other thing we should say about Vashon Island is that we're just a, a short little blip from Seattle. I mean, it's kind of like we're almost... You, I, I imagine some people who aren't quite sure where Seattle is, when they put a big blotch of ink on the map, they probably drew right over Vashon Island. <laughs> and so we're so close to Seattle, you could probably throw rocks at it from here. Well, if you had a good. real strong arm. And a good wind. <laughs> a bit of a wind, yeah. So, uh, uh, But you could look at the edge of Vashon Island, and you can see all the big buildings. You see the Space Needle. Mm-hmm. You can see all that. So um, um, we're just, but it's like there's a, there's this blob of water of Puget Sound between the island and Seattle. So we're in the same county and all. So, um, but it does seem to me that there is a different kind of spirit, different kind of oh, yeah. community on Vashon Island than there is in a lot of other places. So, and I think I think what you're uh, describing is, you know, the perks. <laughs> the, the upside, it is. yeah, it is. yeah, benefits of that kind of that kind of community. Yeah. So uh, uh, I know when you just drive down the little. There's this kind of townish spot. Is that called Vashon Town or something? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Vashon Town. Overtown, Seattle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, um, I mean, it, it didn't look very commercial. It looked uh, funky. And uh, and I know I went to the farmers market there. Oh, good. Which was small and pathetic compared to Missoula, but still a very nice farmers market. Uh, well, of course, the Missoula farmers market. Or I'm from is amazing and spectacular. How many people live in Missoula? Well, we've got 85,000, right. whereas you've got 10,000. So was ours an eighth the size of Missoula? Um, I would, you know what? I would guess it's probably smaller than that. I mean, Missoula, we get about we get about uh, 8,000 people coming out to our farmers market. Do you get 10% of your population coming to your farmer's market? 1,000 people. 1,000? No. No. Yeah. Counting right now, but yeah. So, 300. do I do the neener, neener dance now, or do I wait late till later? Save it. Save it. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I <can't> save it. <laughs> <laughs> Does your farmer's market go all the way up until Christmas? No. I mean, it's Missoula, Montana, for crying out loud. Um, I'm, I can't remember. I think it might go until October. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it does get cold over there. Oh, do you want to start comparing back to Missoula? And the other is, okay, so moving right along. Yeah. Moving right along. Moving right along. It's 322. Yeah, we got more places for, the, yeah. for me to visit and video, and you guys are so awesome setting me up with all this cool stuff. All right, so uh, uh, we, we then went out and we saw your your goats, your goat operation. So the goats were there. They were all good enough to wait until we arrived to start all peeing and pooping at the same time. That's Synchronized reason. elimination. I don't know how you <laughs> train them to do that, but that was a bizarre thing to see. <laughs> 
do it for everybody. They just they just hold it in, waiting until a crowd shows up. Uh-huh. And uh, so then um, their shelter and uh, your milking parlor yeah. were both on wheels. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty cool because um, a lot of I, I was just visiting with a farmer uh, two days ago uh, where he uh, had a bit of a muddy patch around his barn because it's spring mm-hmm. and and he was like well you know that's where the milking parlor is so that's where it's going to be muddy and uh, I was trying to talk about how I'd always put everything on skids and would drag it around with a tractor and mm-hmm. he had a tractor but now yours are even on wheels they're so portable and um, uh, and it looked Pretty nice on the inside. Yeah, it is kind of nice. And uh, with a lot of windows. And I was thinking, you know, the thing about the windows is that kind of helps to kind of have some of that UV ray cleaning everything stuff. Yeah, that's it. That was the original intention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. Uh, and so you ran a goat through uh, and uh, for me to video, and uh, that did seem really easy. You even had like a little special trap door for the she's got the, a shoot the, the go, yeah to go out in shoot and an out shoot yeah yeah and and of course you know well trained and uh, knows knows where to get the goodies and peanut butter was the exit food yeah it's like I know I'm getting the peanut butter so now I am prepared to do all the exit stuff because I love the peanut butter and then she comes out the other side licking her chops because you know she's working that peanut butter in there <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was a hell of a thing so uh, <clears throat> what did we see after that the pallet fence the pallet he talked about the pallet fence we talked about the pallet fence and the quite sturdy goose with the two duck we went out to the brush pile oh right the brush pile with the goose and the and the two ducks uh, and, the one, and the one duck is sitting on some eggs which are going to be not fertile because her boyfriend is a goose she's married to him. he's not a boyfriend it's a lifelong <laughs> okay and then he he's a, he is a, a interspecies polygamist <laughs> okay <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> hey guys, I know, like no. So uh, um, uh, and he came out and he told me to piss off. Uh, he wanted to make it clear that I should not be there. Now, if he really wants to make it clear, he'd have reared back his head and slammed you with his beak. I got that treatment. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course, I'm pretty giant. He oh. might have thought I'd have smushed him like a yeah. bug. He's also a bigot, the Luke, the goose is a bigot. The goose? like Johnny. Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't like you. Bigot, right? Isn't that a bigot? That's, yeah. Is that a bigot? Uh, Bigot inter- means anybody who's not me. Bigot. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was that was the farm tour there. I think that was that was all the stuff we started. Awesome. That was the end on. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. What's that? Did you do the pasture? Oh, we did the middle pasture with the willow. I don't even. I don't think you took any pictures of it though. No. Because it's just little stumps. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But the purpose of it? Yeah, we talked about mediating the the middle pasture. Right. You got a bunch of water coming on your land from uphill of you, okay. and then it. It runs through your stuff, and and then uh, it runs through all your stuff, and then it, it ends up in this low spot on your farm. Right. And and so then you end up with like this swampy spot. Well, not only do I wind up at the swampy spot, but the water that's running through runs through my goat pastures and chicken pastures, so it's picking up all that nitrate, running into the middle pasture, settling there, and then running into my winter creek which then runs into the groundwater and that it's the it's the nitrate water running into my groundwater that I'm trying to mediate and I'd like to mediate all the water in my middle pasture but you know what it's not so much that I want to get rid of the water in my middle pasture as it is I want to make use of it somehow so by growing the basket willow and then hopefully growing shiitakes around all of that I can make use of all of that water that's always going to be there. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get rid of the water that's in there. But I hopefully can clean the water that's going out to the groundwater, and then make something hopefully profitable out of what it is, turning the problem into <clears throat> a solution. Right. So. Um, uh, 
I, I think that some of the things that I would want to, so like for me, if, if this were my farm, and I'm so arrogant as to project my opinion no matter where I am. Good for you. Yeah. Then uh, what I would do is I would be I would be a little concerned about the water coming onto my land from somebody else's land, because who knows what kind of creepy pesticides they might be using. That's true, but I can't do anything about that. Oh, really? Nothing at all? It comes from all... Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's all, uh, yeah. The only thing I can think I can filter it. There's a bunch of things up uphill of you. Oh, I see. And they're all coming. They're all coming to the edge of your property. Correct. And they might be bringing mystery funk. Okay. And so I would think that what I would try to do is uh, either try and get it to go around me, or I would try to, um, you know, you're talking about remediation. Mm-hmm. And maybe remediate it as it enters, mm-hmm. and and that would be my primary point of remediation. And then um, the big thing is, is that here, like you know, because the thing is, is, people think Seattle, oh, it's raining there all year long. Mm-hmm. No, it rains a ton in the winter time when everything's dormant. Mm-hmm. And then in the summertime, I know that in the Seattle area, and I'm not sure about here on Vashon Island, but there have been many times when they've had two or three months without a drop of rain. And here. everything will just be brown and crisp. And, and so um, it seems like there's, there's a, a combination of two missions. One is, is that if there's funky water coming onto the land, even in the wintertime, to somehow uh, clean that up, remediate it and, and find ways to remediate it. And then the other thing is, is like, you know, let's get ready for um, when summer rolls around and we might have one of those summers where it doesn't rain a drop all summer. And um, what are the things that we can do so that this area can stay green all summer long? And so those would be the things that would be my first thought. Now, I do think that what you're doing there, you could do that too also in addition. And that is where you're you're taking your lowest spot that gets swampy and uh, planting some willows in there. Now, of course, you know, you think about... So what's your suggestion for how to capture it before it ever comes yeah, or mediate it before it comes on the property? Well, so it I, kind of seeps. It doesn't seep. really flow in a stream or, yeah, or right. anything like that. It's like it's just groundwater. Right. In, around. So I mean, um, like a ditch around. The there you go. There's a brute force method right there. Just a ditch along the upper edge. When it comes in, it goes to perhaps a pond where you can have a fair bit of settling and and maybe. Um, you know, a, a fair bit of sand. I mean, you know, like some sand filters. Because the thing is, is if it's coming in the winter time, then part of the problem is, is like you know, it's kind of hard to do the, your uh, remediation with your oyster mushrooms or anything like that. Oyster mushrooms aren't very active in the winter time, so it's kind of like, uh, well, well, what can you do? What can you do to kind of? So um, a sand filter is going to to do some. Uh, the sand filter is going to have a lot of microbial action in it, even when it is pretty damn cold. And so uh, do some of that. And it's going to, I think, you know, part of it is, is if you were to do your ditch thing in the wintertime, it would be good to get an idea of, like, how much water are we talking about? Are we, are we got, like, 10 gallons per minute? A lot, or we got a hundred gallons per minute. A lot, I wouldn't know. Or like a gallon per minute. A lot, and I don't know how to gauge it when it permeates. You're on five. No, no, you're right. So that's what I'm saying. Is the first thing to do is you build the, the the ditch. And then you can start to get an idea. And you're probably still not going to get all of it because some of it's going to be going underground and whatnot. Right. But, but you can, you know, I would just think that for me, if it's me, I, I, uh, I, I like the idea of being able to make things cleaner if I can. And um, uh, and especially if it's coming from a source I don't know because I and it's my experience most folks aren't nearly as anal retentive about cleaning stuff up as I am and so especially you know like folks like neighbor folk that that you know they've got a whole different philosophy which includes clopyrrolid aminopyrrolid tordon apicloram uh, you know all these very persistent herbicides, maybe some insecticides, maybe they're dumping oil and antifreeze on the ground, or who knows what else might be flowing down my way. And I want to, I, I, since since they're not going to be as, as weird about it as I am, I, I just kind of want to make sure. 
so but that's that's and then and then you know start working on the stuff about water features and and I mean maybe a DuPont um, you know maybe maybe things to help keep some of that water to stick around in the soil dominantly I mean like you know there's a reason why the stuff about um, key line systems work so good it gets all that water to stick in the soil longer well, so um, stuff like that that's what I so in, in addition so you know anyway you talked about you got this yeah, yeah. issue with the water coming down yeah and now I've projected what I think about because now this is not the first time I've heard of people like I got icky stuff coming from uphill and and you make a good point and make, so what should I do suggestion I appreciate it one more thing to do yeah yeah put put that on the wish list all right so uh, anything else you want to talk about today I think we're good permaculture stuff put plant more trees um, I don't know your your farm's doing pretty good your 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 stand I mean we talked about how much your uh, your mortgage is there <laughs> <laughs> is your farm is your land paying off your mortgage nope no nope it is not so are you close is it possible that this year you might start nope no. No, not until I figure out other uh, other streams of income. What about the property during the harvest season? Is it paying off the mortgage then? Some. Some. Like, I subsidize the whole thing with my other job. Oh, okay. So you've got a you've yeah. got a, a day job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know if there's a farmer on the island who doesn't have some second. I say second income, but. The other, yeah. the second job is the primary income. Right. The farm is the second income, mostly. Mostly. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Green man. Green man, maybe. Rob and Joanne yeah. are making a pretty good. He's working. Oh, that's right. He's teaching. Oh, that's right. He's, He's teaching. teaching. She's working. Yeah. yeah. She's bookkeeping. He's teaching. That's right. Yeah. Um, Rob and Joanne are probably the closest. Actually, they have rental units on their property. So, it, and that's the multiple income thing that I'm trying to figure out here is how to create multiple streams of income that's not just selling lettuce. And a lot of people do off-season. <coughs> yeah. Because there's not as much work to do in the winter, so they do winter things, and then they yeah. do less of that in the summer and more. Yeah. Joe does pretty good because he he has the gig where he goes and works. He goes, off, you know, he, major consulting. Yeah. Like twice a year. Yeah. But he gets... Yeah, so that's that's enough. But he's doing pretty good with his farm, I think. Yeah, they're doing a wood farm. Uh, Sun Island farm. Sun Island up in Yeah. So. So <clears throat> there's a certain amount of income that you're pulling off of food on this farm that you're selling out at yeah. your stand. Yeah. Now the rate that you're selling your food for. Yeah. Is it comparable to the local grocery store? It's comparable to the local other farm stands. Okay. I'm, I'm Which, probably more expensive than the grocery store. I mean, eggs in the grocery store, you can get a dozen eggs for $1.99. No, comparable eggs. Comparable eggs? Oh, eggs to eggs, not eggs to apples. Maybe $4. Oh, three fifty. I don't, you know, there are certain, the things that I grow here, I honestly don't even know if I know what they cost at the grocery store anymore. It's, I just don't know because I don't know what a dozen eggs Com comparable egg costs in the grocery store because I don't buy them. So what do they call? Well, I'm comparable is okay, yeah. a loose term. Right. I mean, like I mean, she's, got, she's got for one thing, you got duck eggs. I, I don't think they even have duck eggs in the grocery store. And then uh, how free range are the quote free range yeah. chickens that they have in the grocery store? So yeah, it's well, really difficult to comp. All right. So how much them. do you sell your eggs for? Six dollars and twenty five cents a dozen. Six twenty five a dozen. Right. All right. And then right now, and all, and our. Would you say yours are organic? Are the is the feed that you feed your chickens? Is Most it? of the time, it is organic. Depends <laughs> on how broke I am at the end of any given month and when I need to buy feed. Generally, I buy the organic feed that comes from Canada. Okay. And if I'm out of feed and I'm out of money, then I get the inexpensive feed, which is not organic. But I'd say they're eighty percent organic. And I'm not a, I'm not a certified organic farm. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But it would be possible 
I mean, and right now you're selling it for six twenty-five a dozen. Um, are you selling all your eggs? Yeah. And there's more demand. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the rules of supply and demand say to do in this situation? Raise the price. Raise the price. So, um, uh, you know, there's uh, the other thing is is that you know from the evil corporate whore aspect, which is the the life I led before. I mean, like you know, let's improve that profit margin. And it's like you know, the number one thing you probably spend money on is feed. Yeah. And um, so, um, how about the idea of? Um, uh, I mean, can we eliminate the cost of the feed by by? I mean, I know that here on Vashon Island, I imagine that you could, if it weren't for predators, you could get your you could turn your chickens loose, and they would probably survive and reproduce and live in the wild here on Vashon Island for decades. Right. That's a big if. Yeah. If there predators. were no predators. Yeah. So, you know, but, but granted, you know, uh, it's, so therefore, the, the thing is, is that um, this climate would support your rabbit. Look out close the doors, Johnny Six. Oh, she knew that. What is she doing in there? It's cool, and she can be secluded from people. Oh, poor thing. That's fine. Okay, because she's just laying down. That's fine. Yeah, yeah totally fine. But I'll close your bed and do it. Okay. So uh, um, I guess where I'm going with all of this is it's like, all right, well, how can we bring permaculture in and change your financial situation? Which, you know, in the world of permaculture, there's generally a couple of schools of thought. One school of thought is, is that people want to work really, really hard and feed all the poor people. And then those are the really lovely people um, that, that, that do that. And that's not me. I'm I'm the uh, the asshole in the permaculture world. I'm my whole thing is is like how can we make crazy amounts of money? How can we pay your mortgage doing the thing that you enjoy doing? And so um, of course when it comes to raising chickens, one of the things that I try to do is to eliminate the feed bill, and that's by planting things that the chickens can self-harvest and then using a paddock shift system, moving from paddock to paddock. Mm-hmm. The growing season here on Dash on Island is going to probably be um, of things that chickens can eat probably nine or ten months long. There's probably only a couple of months that there's certain things that they won't be able to eat, in which case yeah, that's probably true. during those months, mm-hmm. uh, the chickens could probably eat things that were left over from the year before, mm-hmm. winter keeper apples, um, uh, um, sunchokes, um, tall grains. In the winter, the, the chicken's uh, biggest need is protein to keep the egg. A couple of things happen, and you probably know all the shows. The, the lower sun in their eyeball reduces their laying, and the lower protein available in the winter reduces their laying. I learned this year by feeding them more protein, I had better winter laying, but I was feeding them protein. Come on in. There it is. Oh, we've got company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, we've... we've anyway, oh. No. No. Ken, we need to, yeah, we need yeah. to get over to Ken. We need to get moving. All right, that's yeah. the end of the podcast. All right, everybody. <laughs> Say goodbye to the pod people. Bye, pod people. All right, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about the evils of making money, homesteading, <laughs> and permaculture all the time. <laughs>